the outline there, take one, or wave your hand there. I think Brother Dave's still got a few. And uh, it is a actually a joy to be able to take time in, in our Bible study and deal with subjects like dispensationalism. Uh, some of our Bible college students uh, don't even get to spend the time that we spend here in this church on things. And, and uh, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we're doing this is because we want to lay a solid foundation for you as an individual, as a person who attends this church, especially our members, that you would be able to open up the Bible and when you read something, it doesn't... Oh, or you hear on the radio and the television, I mean, um, Herbert W. Armstrong, his biggest thing was what is called British Israelitism or Israelism. He believes that the ten lost tribes of Israel uh, are the uh, European nations. And uh, a simple DNA test will prove that's not the way it works. Uh, the, the Jewish people certainly did live in Europe, and, and uh, we know that, but there are Jewish people still living in the land of uh, Israel. Uh, the Mormons say that the ten lost tribes of Israel are uh, the in American Indians. And uh, someone uh, several years ago did some DNA testing and talked to uh, anthropologist, and it is 100% sure that the American Indians came from Mongolia, and they are Asian, not Jewish. Uh, the Book of Mormon is completely and totally incorrect. And, and if you're careful with your Bible, as these people search for the ten lost tribes... I read in the book of Revelation that there's 144,000 Jews from each one of the 12 tribes. So they may be lost to you, they may be lost to me, they may be lost even to some of the Jewish people, but God hasn't lost them. And so you're looking for something that God already knows where they are. Uh, and, and He will take care of that. And, you know, this is just one silly illustration of what people do when they choose not to study their Bible carefully and completely. I remember uh, meeting someone years ago and they said, well, I'm Jehovah's Witness. I'm one of the 144,000. I said, really? I said, what tribe are you from? What do you mean, what tribe? I'm one of 144,000. I said, you got a minute? I grabbed my New Testament, opened it up. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben and 12,000 from the tribe of Levi and 12,000. I said, which one are you? And they said, I'm not any of those. I said, well, then, according to the Bible, you're not one of the 144,000. That is a lie that was invented by uh, uh, the founder of your religion who never dreamed that there'd be that many foolish people who would follow him in his... Uh, sorry, I'm adding that. Uh, but he never believed that the Jehovah's Witness cult would grow to over 144,000 people 
members. And so when he saw that, he picked that number out of the Bible and said, that's us. That was his dream. And uh, I, I will tell you, it's sad. What we need to do is stick with what the Bible says. Amen. And as we come through this, we are now coming up to present day in God's plan. Dispensation 1, innocence in the garden. That came from creation to the fall of man. God's judgment was removing them from the garden. We have the pattern of God's revelation, man's rebellion against that revelation, and then God giving new information. You cannot go back. Uh, This is one of the problems that we have in the early church was we had Jewish believers. Uh, Some of them may have just been mistaken, but some of them obviously weren't true believers in Jesus Christ because they were still trusting in the Old Testament law and the practices at the temple to save them. And they tried to meld the church and Israel. This is one of the great differences... In the law, God dealt with the world through Israel. Is God still dealing with the world through Israel? Technically, yes. Because Jesus is Jewish. That's one of the things I like about meeting in a synagogue. All of the Old Testament symbolism is in the windows and and the history of the Jewish people. And, of course, uh, I even had a Jewish man ask me one time. He said, I don't get you Gentiles. He said, you're only interested in worshiping a Jew. Why is that? He said, because he is God, sir. That is why. <laughs> ah, but he is. The Bible tells me so. He says, that's the New Testament. I said, you got time to go through the old? I'll show you the whole way through. No, I don't have time for that. You know, if people would only listen. If people would only listen to the Word of God. How many of you started out by saying, oh, Pastor Montour is one of the greatest Bible teachers. I'm going to listen to everything he has. I promise you, none of you started out that way. It probably came curiousness. Someone gave you a track. You came to church, whatever. Then it was, is that guy on the level? And then you begin to investigate the book. And you know what we're trying to do, what we've done here over the last 26 years is we've built a faith relationship based on this book called the Bible. That's why I can take time to teach about dispensationalism in our evening service This is the seventh lesson, and all we're doing right now is we're laying the foundation. Once we get through the next lesson, we will have all of history laid out in a dispensational uh, chart or time uh, slot, and then we can start applying that to how we live, how we understand the Bible, and, and why... Uh, we are careful about and, and talk about such things. 
you go into most Protestant churches and you will never ever hear a sermon at all on covenant theology. That, that is their basis. Because if they tried to explain it to most of the people in the church, they'd just be sitting there going, because covenant theology, you have to go to seminary to understand it, really. How you can take the whole first half of the Bible from Genesis all the way to the resurrection of Christ and stuff it into law when the law didn't exist until after Mount Sinai. I mean, you've got to go to school. You've got to be trained. You've got to work on that because it's not natural. But how many of you have had a problem with our walk through the dispensations? It just makes the Bible make sense. It allows the Bible to make sense. The Bible has always made sense. The, the thing that needs to be straightened out is not the Bible, it's us. Amen? And so, uh, we have God revealing himself as the creator. His word is final. Only God can deal with the sin problem. So much about God we learned in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. But it is built up, it is understood that when we get to this thing called the flood... God had a right to do what he did because he's God. Because mankind rebelled against him. But I'll tell you this, God promised it's never going to happen that way again. And it hasn't. Uh, I'm, how many of you remember, uh, it was two or three years ago in uh, Seattle, they had rain every day for almost 40 days in a row. And all of the news media, Noah's Ark, 40 days and 40 nights. No, that wasn't what happened in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. Trust me. We'd have felt it here. Uh, in fact, there's evidence that all of the Midwest, the mountains, the area between the Appalachians and the Rocky Mountains was one huge inland lake at one area. wonder how that happened. Do you think it might have happened because of the flood? And as the waters receded, they got stuck between the mountains. Uh, the Appalachian Mountains rise over 2,000 feet. Uh, and down in Tennessee, they're close to 5,000 feet, I think it is, or over 4,000 anyway. That holds a lot of water now, wouldn't it? Hey, you know what? I like my Bible. If I follow it, everything that we know falls into place. And so, after the flood, we have civil government. We have God giving man the responsibility to form a society to judge his own self for sins. Capital punishment was to be judged by death. And what do we have happening? Nimrod. Well, if God wants us to form societies, I'm going to be a king. I'm going to be in charge and not God. So what did God do? He confounded the languages. Then he picked Abraham. And he began to work through Abraham's seed. Now, has God rescinded the promises to Abraham? Absolutely not. In fact, 
the greatest promise God made to Abraham was that in thee, in the in thy seed, in his family, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And I challenge you this, you cannot go to any people group on the face of this earth uh, and not find some inroad somewhere to the Christian religion. Now, I know you can find individual Indian tribes stuck in the... Uh, uh, what was that, that little island off of the coast of India where uh, that fellow said, I'm going to be a missionary there and got killed a while back. And, and, um, but there are churches all over India and have been. William Carey was there in the early 1800s with the gospel. And history tells us that Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, uh, reached India before he died. And, and so... Let's just understand that God keeps His Word and He keeps moving. Then we have uh, the children of Israel dealt through the seed of Abraham and we have the Egyptians trying to enslave and eradicate them through the killing of all the male children and God comes down and He judges Egypt completely and now He deals with Israel through their law. God's law is God's standard of holiness. Now, when we get into grace, we're going to contrast law because the Jewish people, most of them, by the time Jesus comes on the scene, are using the law unlawfully. You ever had anybody use the law unlawfully? Uh, I.e., congressional hearings? They're, they're using the law unlawfully. They really are. Just follow the details. It's, it's tragic what is going on in this country right now. And, uh, but that's what the Jewish people were doing. And Jesus came and he is the greatest revelation of God. So now we begin Actually, with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we call the dispensation of grace. Jesus gave us most of that revelation that we need. The scripture point is basically Acts 1 through Revelation chapter 19, though Jesus did much teaching through the Gospels, and we should actually include the Gospels there. Uh, that, that was a typo there. It should be uh, Matthew 1 through Revelation chapter 19. Uh, just a, an overcoming. This goes here. Boy, I'm going to have to talk to my typist there. Oh, there it is. Okay, I didn't correct it on line 2. Look on the, the title line up there. It says approximately 1986 years and counting. And... Uh, that is if we go from 33 A.D. to our present time. And the major points, the resurrection, Pentecost is the empowerment of the church. The church was already in existence. The writing of the New Testament, the persecution of the Christians, and now we have at the end of this time period the tribulation or the reclaiming of Israel. The uh, read Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. Paul explains it there as thoroughly as anywhere in the Bible. 
God allowed the nation of Israel to enter a period of blindness so that we as Gentiles could have the gospel. Now, did Israel have to be blind? No. We've been through this in our Sunday school time many times. The unbelieving Jewish people, what did they do? When they refused to believe Jesus Christ as their Messiah, they were forced into a position to persecute and remove the Christians from among them. And the Christians, on the other hand, when the Judaizers tried to make the church a Jewish community under the Jewish law, had to draw a line and say, no, that is not what Jesus taught us. Jesus taught us that salvation is by faith in him. The book of Acts is a pivotal book in understanding your Bible. Uh, We have groups today that are trying to go back and recreate the miracles that are in the book of Acts. They claim to speak in tongues and all of this. It's amazing. Uh, I have some books in, in my office that were actually written by people at the founding Uh, of the charismatic movement. And they were talking about, soon we'll be able to send missionaries all over the world without ever having to send them to language school. Has that ever happened? No. Not once. But in the Bible, did they speak in languages that other people understood? Yes, they did. Read Acts chapter 2. Read Acts chapter 10. Uh, The Jewish people that went with Peter heard Cornelius and other Roman people speak in a language that they could not possibly have understood or learned. What language would that have been? Well, it also had to be a language that the Jewish people that went with Peter already understood. That's why it doesn't say Hebrew there. It's, It's Demanded by the text. We have Roman people who never studied the language of the, of the Jewish people speaking in Hebrew because they understood what they said and how they praised God. You know, the speaking in tongues and the miracles moved on with the apostles. Why? Because... During the first years of our current dispensation, what happened? God gave us all his revelation. Do we need to go to Galatians chapter 1 again? Paul said, though we are an angel from heaven. Now, how many people have claimed that angels from heaven gave them revelation? Uh, Joseph Smith did. Muhammad has. Uh, Sun Young Moon has claimed that he had revelation directly from Jesus Christ. All of these people uh, and many others beside them claim direct revelation, yet the Bible says if you change one bit, let him be accursed. The end of the book of Revelation, God said if you take away from the words, God's going to take you out of the Lamb's book of life. That means you don't go to heaven. If you add to the words, you're going to get added to of the plagues of the book. That's pretty severe. In fact, that's more severe than anything we know of in human history. 
three-quarters, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population is going to die during the tribulation period. And don't get caught up in those that want to divide the tribulation period into two, the, the lesser time and the greater time or the great tribulation, because the tribulation is going to be terrible all the way through. And uh, so we have God's revelation. Let's just go through this. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 says, His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Romans, I mean, John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that the greatest revelation that God has given to us, greater than the prophets, greater than all of the things, the angels sending His Word, was the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. God is addressing Jesus Christ and He says, Thy throne, O God. So don't, don't listen to someone who does not teach that Jesus is God. The Bible is very, very clear. You cannot get past that no matter what you do. And you want to learn about God. Read the Gospels. That's why on Sunday nights we're going through the Gospel stories. Uh, we've gone through them in Sunday school many, many times. We just uh, started our ninth journey through the Scriptures. Uh, sometime in, uh, when did we start to teach on the resurrection? Is that before or after Christmas? I mean, the death and resurrection of Christ. Okay, just before Christmas, we started our ninth journey through the Bible. And by God's grace, when I'm old sitting in a wheelchair, Andrew's pastoring or however the Lord works that out, you know what? I hope he's still going to meet here. Hearing me say in his ears, we're going to keep doing it till Jesus comes back. Amen? And if he's not listening, I'll tell him. All right? Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is we need to go over those stories. You know, some adults think, well, I, I don't need to through the Bible time. That's just telling stories. I need to go through the Bible time. You need it. Every one of us does. It's important. Because we need every story in the Bible from Adam and Eve up until the promise of Jesus' return. We need to understand there is just one message in the Bible. You know what the message is? The Lord, He is God. That's the message of the Bible. And because he is God and because he is good, he has made a way for every person who has ever lived to accept his truth and be ushered on into the proper side of eternity with God. I, I can't wait till we get there. You know, I've, I've heard many preachers preach, well, I'm going to go up and I'm going to ask Abraham some questions well, the Bible says we're going to know as we are known. You know what the most wonderful thing of the other side is? We won't have any questions. We will know the answers. 
And you know, people often ask, well, what happens to people who, who, who don't follow all the truth that's in the Bible? Read your Bible. God doesn't take away their salvation. If he took away our salvation just because of disobedience, none of us would ever have a chance, now would we? Salvation is because God is good. But there are rewards on the other side. And I will promise you this. One second in heaven will make us understand how much we missed through our selfishness and disobedience while we lived here on earth. You don't want to be there. Trust God and His Word. Amen? Let's turn to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And we're not going to take time to go through this whole thing, of course. But what we have Jesus here doing is we have Jesus setting the standard of righteousness for entrance to his kingdom. That's why... Uh, verse 20, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter in to the kingdom of heaven. Now that's pretty serious. The, the scribes and the Pharisees were the most righteous of the Jewish people. But Jesus said it's got to exceed that. Uh, how about coming down to the end of verse uh, chapter 6? It says, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Would that not be good counsel? Uh, I promise you, if you'll use those guidance that is there, you, you will do what is best and come down to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 24, Jesus ends it by saying, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. I want you to get this next verse. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. You know, one of the greatest criticisms of simple Bible preaching in our day and time, how can you be so sure? Uh, God said so. Well, how do you know that's the Word of God? Because the Bible says so. Well, you're very childish. Well, look at our theme there. Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that's where I want to be. When we stand before God, would you not rather be a dear child rather than a petulant one when you stand before God? How many of you know what the word petulant means? Uh, I promise you this, it's not good. 
the simple truth of the matter is, you can take those Beatitudes, which is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, and you can use them as a spiritual checkup. Are, are you still of the attitude that you're poor in spirit, or are you starting to rely on yourself in your service to Christ? If you are, it's time to go back and start over again, because you're missing some things. Poor means not only do you not have what you need, you cannot get what you need. That's where we are spiritually. And if that doesn't make you sad, there's something wrong with your emotional base. We ought to mourn. We ought to go before God with sorrow in our heart because we have failed Him, but He has never failed us. But then what does it say? Blessed are the meek. You know what meekness is? Doing things under the authority of another. Not trusting in myself. Surrendering myself to the authority of another. I I want to tell you, a good police officer is meek. A bad police officer is arrogant. How many of you see the difference? You see, a good police officer is only operating under the laws and the authority, so don't get mad when you get caught for speeding or you get a traffic ticket because you forgot to move your car. Who who did the forgetting? Not the traffic cop. They were there to write the ticket. You were the one that forgot, right? And so, hey, let's understand this thing of meekness is surrendering my direction and my authority to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. I promise you, you can't have the right appetites until you have the right heart. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, it says you're going to be filled. Then we get to mercy. Amen? Then we can have a pure heart. And it says those that are pure in heart shall be uh, see God, and then blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I'm not trying to rewrite Scripture, but I'll tell you the best way you can make peace is to lead somebody to the Lord. That's the peacemakers. The problem is we got people going out trying to lead people to the Lord that barely know Him themselves. That doesn't work. You've got to have the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. You've got to start out by being poor in spirit and work your way through these things. We have the church founded in Matthew 16, 18. And I, I love to do this. This is the best way I know how to understand this. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus is speaking. He says, Behold, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church. I, I've heard people try to teach that it was the confession that Peter made that is the rock of the church. That's not true. Uh, Peter said the rock is a living rock. It's a person. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And by the way, with that understanding of, the, of Matthew chapter 16, 
the Orthodox and Catholic Church have no right to exist because they build their faith on the person of Jesus, uh, person of Peter. That Jesus advocated his authority when he went to heaven and he is not in charge. He left Peter, a man, to head up the church. Now, I promise you, you can't find anywhere in the scripture where God takes his own authority and power and gives it to man. That's why Jesus is still the head of each church. And he is the builder of each church. If something good is happening in your life because of this book called the Bible, it is the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. That's what we need. Jesus instructs the church in Matthew chapter 18. And one of the most misquoted verses in all the Bible. Well, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. So we don't need a church. Would you read your Bible? Let's go there, please. Matthew 18. Now look at verse 20. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Verse 19 says, And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that ye shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And uh, uh, you turn on TBN and it says, You get you a friend and you agree that Jesus needs to give you a new Cadillac and he'll give you one. That's not what it's talking about. Read verse 18, uh, actually 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto whom? Well, where did that come from? Uh, Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said, Behold, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he goes on to tell the church, that verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say that if two of you shall agree, the context of that entire passage is talking about church. This is what I told people at community last night, yesterday afternoon was, hey, we don't need a hundred people to have church. We got more than two or three here. And we'll straighten out these problems and then we can start asking people to join the church and they'll know exactly what they're joining. And they won't hear one member saying this and another member saying this and, and the preacher saying this. They'll, they'll, we're going to have one voice and we're going to uh, put things together. And I need you to pray about that. I really do. So that we can have the unity of the doctrine of the Bible. Jesus promised the kingdom. The kingdom is not the church. The kingdom is not Israel. Luke chapter 12 says, It is his, the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Now, if we understand our Bible correctly, chapter 17 says what? Lo, behold, the kingdom of God is where? In you. Should Jesus rule in our hearts? 
Should our life and our thought process be under His leadership and His dominion? You know, when you're part of a kingdom, you are bound to obey the direction and the rules of the king, are you not? But there's another part to that. The king, on the other hand, is bound to protect you as part of his kingdom. You know how you're going to get protection from the devil? By being a part of the kingdom. Amen? And what did it say in the book of Revelation? We praise God for making us what? Kings? Does that sound like a kingdom? And priests unto our God. Don't worry. The environmentalists are wrong. There'll still be enough of this world left, even after all the horrible events of the tribulation period, that we will rule and reign here on this earth for a thousand years. So, don't get too uptight. Uh, That's not all our dearly beloved representative AOC is wrong about. Uh, in fact, I haven't heard anything she's right about yet. I'm listening, uh, but we'll, we'll, and you need to pray for people like that because they think they're so right. Nobody is more blind than someone who knows they're right. And, and we need to pray. We need to keep these people in prayer. Amen? And then we have the ordinances of the church. Matthew chapter 3 is about baptism. Matthew chapter 26 is about the Lord's Supper. And you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as well. And then in the epistles through the book of Revelation, we are to understand that we are free from the law and its penalties. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled every one of them. God did not just excuse us. You know, the, the, the problem we have is we say, Oh, I, I've done wrong... Now, God, can you just kind of forget it? God can't forget it. Every sin is recorded. Could you imagine how horrible the library in heaven is? But the moment you get saved, God sets down one of his bookkeepers and in every entry under your name, paid in full with the blood of Jesus, paid in full with the blood of Jesus, God is perfect in His justice. Amen? And He is perfect in His judgment. We understand how the church is to operate and function. That's what the book of Acts is all about. And the different letters to the churches all the way through Revelation chapter 4 tells us all of these things that are going to happen. Now, what has man done with God's revelation? Well, number one, are there any less false teachers than there were in the days of the apostles? I'll I'll venture to say that as a percentage of the population, we're probably right about even as where they were in the first century. There's as much false teaching then as there is today. uh, Per capita. Uh... And so, we, we, how do we know someone's a false teacher? Check them out in the Bible. How about foolish questions? You know, I, I heard one the other day, I don't know if I shared this with you, but 
uh, Brother Marshall was here after the Philippine trip, and he said one of the pastors there was telling him about a debate that they had had in their little group, not in the Philippines, it was somewhere here in the United States, but the pastor had been involved, I guess, to a certain degree, and, and they were arguing whether the letters of the Bible are inspired or just the words. And they took this from one passage in the Bible. The word's only used once in your Bible. It's called steadfastness is what's in my Bible and in my 1611 here. And there are some versions that put the word steadfastness in there. Well, the first thing I did was look up the definition of the words. How many of you already know what the definition of the words were? Was both the same definition. So, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a printing error, not a textual problem. You see, that's a foolish question. Here's the question that needs to be asked of the people who bring up questions like that. I want to go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, where Jesus says, Not one jot or one tittle is going to disappear from the wall till all be fulfilled. Now, are you going to call Jesus a liar? That's what I want to know. You see, I'm going to believe what Jesus said, and even though there are some Bibles that have one word printed in them and another word printed in them, that's a printing error. That's not a textual problem. Because that's in the English. Hello? You see, we have a Bible that Jesus said is going to be preserved, and if I have to believe Jesus... Instead of some scholar, I'll echo with the Apostle Paul, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? You see, there are some things that logic won't answer. That's what faith is for. I don't need to answer all of their questions. That's why when... Dan Brown, Don, Dan Brown wrote his book, The Da Vinci Code, whatever his dumb name is. Dumb book. Someone said, are you going to answer The Da Vinci Code? Are you going to prove it's wrong? Oh. If someone coming to this church really believes that book is right, they've already rejected this book wholeheartedly. You, you can't believe that slop and believe this book at the same time. But if you believe this book, You'll say, that's a blasphemous book. Why would I even pay attention to it? Do you see the difference? Avoid foolish questions. They're there and they get more foolish as time goes on. You know, that's, that's this whole environmentalist thing. Jesus said, everything is going to be here until after the thousand year reign. So I am not worried in the least at global warming. It doesn't bother me. When I was a kid, I fell for the global freezing thing. How many of you remember when they taught that in schools? That our sun is going to go out and we're going to all freeze to death and the planet Earth is going to become one huge cosmic ice cube. Does anybody else remember that? And, I, and it was on about April. I, I think it was in the second or third grade. And we got an ice storm in the middle of April. And I was crying. I remember looking out the back window in the night and seeing the ice form on the window. We're all going to freeze to death. And my mom got out the Bible and she said, no, the Bible says it's not going to happen that way. Oh, 
Okay. Well, if I have to choose between my teacher being wrong and God being wrong, that's not a very hard choice. I wasn't even saved at the time. Uh, Amen? False Christ. How many people in our world think they're God? Hello? How many people think they're God? They think they can redefine marriage. They think they can redefine life. They think they can redefine everything. That, that is making yourself God. I tell you, we need to pray for those people, but we are not going to surrender the holiness of our God. Amen? And false religion. If you really stop and think about read Romans chapter 1 there, the first step in false religion is being unthankful. And if you'll study every false religion, what they're trying to do is improve on the character of God. But they don't get it done because man cannot improve on this book called the Bible. You stop and think about it. Mormons tell us that God the Father is a God and He gave planet Earth to His Son, Jesus. And Jesus is going to give other planets to us as His children. And we'll get to rule our own planets. You know what? I like what the Bible says. I'm going to rule and reign with Christ. You know who's doing all the heavy lifting? Jesus is. Who's doing all the thinking? Jesus is. I just get to carry out his orders. I'm volunteering for that job. How about you? I don't want to have to figure it out on my own. Besides, there's not going to be life on other planets. NASA is trying to do that because they want to disprove the Bible. Not going to happen. Here's God's judgment. Read Galatians chapter 6. You're going to reap what you sow. How true is that? Has anyone ever gotten away with it? No. They caught up with Bernie Madoff, didn't they? How many of you would trust anything that Bill Clinton said about anything? Today. I mean, if he said it was raining outside, I'd walk outside first without my umbrella to take a look. I mean, that's just the way I am. Uh, I mean, some you lied to me, lied to me, lied to me, lied to me. Hey, I'm not going to believe you. And the only people who listen to Bill Clinton are the people who want to be lied to today. Sad. Tragic. You see... We've got the greatest period of God's judgment that has ever happened in the history of mankind. It's called the tribulation period. And during that time period, the world is going to believe that this false Messiah is Jesus Christ. But his kingdom is not going to be a kingdom of life. It's going to be a kingdom of death. By the time his kingdom ends at the battle of Armageddon, Nearly three-quarters of the world's population is going to be dead. You stop and think about that. At our present rate, that's 
somewhere between five and a half and six billion burials in seven years. You do the math, it's, it's impossible. How is that going to happen? You see, God is going to judge us, but before the battle of Armageddon, if we understand things correctly, it's going to be the great white throne where God is going to judge the Christians for their works. Then comes the, great, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Then at the end, after the millennial kingdom, comes the great white throne judgment where the judgment of the unsaved are. Actually, that's going to be at the end of the next or the last dispensation. What we have new that is going to continue is salvation is by grace through faith in the finished works of Jesus Christ. By the way, how did Noah get saved? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and Noah by faith built an ark. It is the same method of salvation in every dispensation. Be careful. There are some people who use the title dispensation to try to get say you get saved different ways in different dispensations. We have a promise. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. In the Old Testament, under the law, what happened to King Saul? God took his spirit away from Saul, didn't he? And it says an evil spirit came. Why did the evil spirit come? Because God took away the protection of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that will never happen in this dispensation. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God permanently till Jesus takes us home. And we have a great blessing in the fact that we can assemble together as a church. The church is not Israel. The church is completely different. Israel was a place of separation. If you wanted to be part of Israel, first of all, you had to be born of the right family. Then you had to live according to the laws, and every part of your life was regulated. Do you know what you have to do to be a member of the church? Number one, you've got to be alive. Number two, you've got to trust in Jesus. Then you've got to be willing to be baptized and continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Amen? God takes away all the differences. Every difference that man has developed over the years. There's been racial prejudice based on skin color. There has been racial prejudice based on language and things that are spoken. There's racial prejudice based on culture and the way that you live and what you think. Man has tried to divide people in every way that you can divide them. But what does the church do? It brings us from every walk of life, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, wise, not so wise. Uh, All of us are brought together and we serve Jesus Christ as one body. This is the mystery of God. The Jewish people couldn't handle that because they thought, it's got to be us and us alone. Well, I'll tell you, I'm so glad that it's not them and them alone. Amen. Uh, I'm so glad, God. I love that song. Jesus included me too. Amen. 
And so, we have salvation by grace. We understand that the true purpose of the law, just as everything that was designed in every dispensation before, is to prove that mankind cannot live up to God's standards. We need Jesus to forgive us for our sins and to help us to live for Him. Amen? And we have the complete revelation of God. We can hold it in our hands. This is something even in the dispensation of grace that did not happen before the late 1500s when our Bible was translated here in the early 1600s. We call it the King James 1611. Even then, very few people would own a copy of the Bible. You know where Bible ownership for individuals really came into being? In this old United States of America. You know what? The, when the revolution started, there was a boycott on British goods. And you know one of the things that we couldn't get? We couldn't get Bibles in English. So you know what we Americans did? We stuck our finger in the king's eye and printed them ourselves. We broke the copyright wall. The Bible is, does not have a copyright in the United States. I've had people tell me, well, I believe the King James Bible is God's Word because it's the only one that doesn't have a copyright. Uh, this Bible was printed in England, and it's got a copyright right there in the front. Be careful how you argue things. But... We had some American citizens that understood that America was going to survive. She needed this book called the Bible. And some of the first printings were nothing to boast about. Uh, They were full of errors and all kinds of problems because people were in a hurry and they didn't take the care that they should have. Maybe that's where that steadfastness and fastness came from. You know what? I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to read this. How about you? I'm going to follow this. This is what God has given us. And we'll find out that God tells us all that's going to happen in the future uh, dispensation, the one that hasn't happened yet. And we still have quite a bit of prophecy to be fulfilled in this one. And so what are we going to do? We're going to be faithful till Jesus comes with what he's given us. He's given us a book, he's given us a church, and he's given us a job. It's called the Great Commission. And we need to be faithful in our giving, in our giving to missions, in our prayer for our missionaries. Because we have a message to get out to the world in which we live. And all God's people said, let's pray.